Welcome to the Indestructible Wealth Podcast. This is the place where we help young entrepreneurs make, keep, and grow wealth that you can enjoy now and for years to come. I'm your host, Jack Gibson, a serial entrepreneur, founder of multiple seven and eight figure businesses and wealth building strategist. Each week, I'm going to share my tips, resources, and secrets to help you create a plan and build the life you've dreamed of. Hey guys, today I'm going to talk to you about the ideal investment, which is real estate. And ideal, what it stands for is, and actually it's an acronym. So I'm going to walk you through that. What I want you to do is I want to direct you all to my Instagram. I am absolutely dominating reels right now on Instagram. So I would like you to take a look at this particular reel on this subject so you guys can actually see the numbers. I'm sure a lot of you are at the gym driving, you're listening, so you don't get to see the numbers that I'm going to kind of illustrate here. So go to my reel because I'm absolutely dominating uh, the Instagram game. I would say uh, influencer status, approaching celebrity status type at this point. I've pushed out four reels and my first one got like 4,000 views and then it's bombed since. So I'm totally kidding. I think they're good though. I think they're good. Uh, I just haven't got the algorithm yet. Uh, I'm just going to keep after it. And this is the way that I've, that I've been studying that reels is where Instagram is throwing all the algorithm and all the action because they want to compete with TikTok. So uh, I'm figuring this out so I can get more eyes onto my podcast and to my platform. So Anyways, it's just uh, my username is Indestructible Wealth, and there's not that many reels on there. Well, maybe by the time you listen to this, there'll be, you know, because I'm doing one a day, I'll be stacking it. So it's the one, you know, just watch them all. They take 30 seconds, you know. I was totally scared about doing the reels because, A, I don't know how to edit anything. I don't like, I don't enjoy that part. I really can't do much of anything successfully in 30 seconds or less. Just ask my wife. (laughs) I'm slightly here to entertain you, okay? So otherwise, you're not going to come back. Sorry, Kira. So anyways, get back on track. (laughs) Bailey. Okay, my dog camps out underneath me in the desk. And then occasionally, I don't know, she just goes nuts. So sorry about that. I'm not editing out shit anymore. I'm just tired of that. Let's just be real and authentic and you guys can deal with it. So yeah, so what we're going to talk to you guys about is we're really going to look at um, why real estate is the ideal investment and exactly like I want to give you guys an actual, you know, kind of like a scenario so you can see why this is so powerful in terms of, um, you know, growing your overall wealth. Most millionaires, you guys, have been built through real estate. Let's just be honest with the numbers. The numbers show that that real estate creates more millionaires than any other asset class. Now, stocks are certainly more popular in terms of the propaganda and the media coverage and what people talk about. Real estate by far is trumping it. You know, it's not even close. So why is that? Why is it not talked about? Well, we've talked about this before. Wall Street gets their fees off you for investing into the market. So that's what they're going to push out. I mean, they they have huge propaganda machines that push out the uh, whole buy stocks, hold for the long term. Okay, great. I mean, that's certainly one way to build wealth. I got it. I'm not uh, saying that it doesn't build wealth because it does. It is part of my portfolio, but it's just not the only thing, man. It's just not the only fucking thing. I'm just, it just gets so tired of that whole 
deal that's been pushed and promoted and doesn't really isn't actually really all that true in terms of how people really actually grow wealth. This is so the ideal is an acronym. So I'm going to go through the different parts of what that acronym acronym actually means and stands for. Just going through the overview. So the I is for income. The D is for depreciation. The E is for equity. The A is for appreciation. And the L is for leverage. Okay. So now you got the kind of the broad view overview. Now I'm going to go through and dive into each one. Okay. So now income. So real estate offers you and me monthly cash flow income from renting out the properties that we own to good quality tenants. You know, what I've learned the hard way is that chasing higher income yields on properties that attract lower quality tenants is certainly, um, it's really not the best long-term strategy and it's not going to give you a good peaceful life. The key to real estate being successful, you will largely reside in the quality of your tenants. Hindsight being 2020, I'd gladly take a lower monthly cash flow on a property, but have the same quality tenant that stays for five years and, you know, isn't consistently late with their payments or worse yet has to be evicted than a property that makes double that, but is a constant headache. We're going to dive into property classes in another podcast, maybe. You really want to be looking into the, the C plus, maybe up to the B range. Those are the property classes um, to really maximize your cash flow, but reduce potential headaches. So um, an A-class property, those are like, you know, you're really nice, super nice neighborhoods, you know, three, four, 500,000 plus homes. Those are very, very hard to cash flow because the rents, you just can't charge enough rents that make sense for what your overall purchase price and what you have in them. It just, they just don't cash flow very well, possibly a couple, three, two, three, 4%. Um, maybe, um, but those are really tough, really tough to, to, to make them work. B-class, you know, these are going to be properties that have, you know, working class families, middle income range to that kind of maybe even a little bit below middle income range. And they're going to um, typically cash flow decent, maybe like in the six to 10% net cash flow range. And you're just going to get a much you're going to get a good quality tenant and you also have a chance for these properties to go up in value. C-class properties are going to be your higher yielding properties, but you're going to have a tougher tenant class. These are going to be more lower income tenants that don't always respect your property, but you can definitely, if you, if you get a really good, uh, you can get much higher uh, yields. In other words, you know, you can buy a property where you can cash flow 10, 12, 15, even 20% if you catch some good tenants. Why I like the C plus, you know, kind of like right on the fringe is because I can get a little bit stronger quality tenant, but I also have a really strong chance of the property appreciating. These can go up quite a bit, which I'm going to kind of give you an example of one that I have. And I've got a bunch more like this that are kind of in the same uh, process. What's great about the income coming in is that the income you know, as long as you're purchasing right, you get, you know, you make sure that you get inspections and you get really trust the people that you're buying from, you can, you can get some nice cash flow coming in every month, uh, passive income wise. And then, you know, that can start to fund a lifestyle that you don't have to be tied down to a nine to five job type thing. It also can give you, a, if you have, if you're an entrepreneur, real estate can give you a secondary source of income and cash flow that helps to kind of balance out your um, more up and down 
stages of income that you go through as an entrepreneur. Look, as an entrepreneur, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. Your income doesn't go up every month. And it's a little bit more volatile. You know, you, you you don't have as much predictability as an entrepreneur from month to month. Having the cash flowing assets help protect you as an entrepreneur for those times where your business isn't doing so well. Inevitably, over the course of your entrepreneurial life, guys, I just don't see how that won't happen to you. The great thing, too, about income from real estate is that it helps pay down your, your tenants are helping pay down your debt payments. And we're going to talk about that as we go. Now, what the D is, depreciation. The government sets the tax laws to favor landowners. So within the complex set of laws, which if you ever try to sit down and read the tax code, you'll, <laughs> you need a lot of alcohol to do that and you won't last very long, is a very favorable rule that allows you to create a phantom deduction and thus reduce the total amount of income you have to pay taxes on. Okay, so let me give an example. Say I purchase a property for 100,000 and I rent it out for 1,000 per month. After all expenses, I net out my cash flow is $2,400 per year. So I'd have to pay nearly $1,200 since I'm in almost 50% tax bracket of that to the government. With depreciation, I can divide the purchase price by 30 years. And you know that's actually 27 years um, or 27.5 or something like that. Uh, I don't know. My accountant does it for me. I know it's about right there. It varies, you know, depending on a few factors too, but for simp simplicity, we're just going to use that number. So um, let's just go to 30 years, right? For simplicity, my total deduction would be 3,333, which would more than offset the income from this property. So even though I made real money, I got to deduct it all and not pay any taxes for that year. Now, what we must keep in mind is that what people don't typically tell you uh, when they talk about how awesome depreciation is, is it's a deferral deduction, okay? Deferring means putting off till later, right? So meaning if you sell the property, you'll have to recapture this and pay it later. But if you never sell the property and pass it on to your children, then they won't pay taxes on that property as of the current tax code right now. It could change, but that's how it's been for a long time. And that depreciation will start over for them and your estate will never have to pay it. This is why the wealthy hold real estate multi-generationally. They can build multi-generational wealth um, by re drastically reducing the taxes of their estate. Now, the E for equity, equity is simply the value of an asset you own. You know, So equity is easily calculated by taking the total market value minus the total liability or the debt held against it. So if you own a house that's worth 100,000 and your loan is 50,000, then you have $50,000 in equity. You guys all pretty much understand this concept through home ownership. Well, it works the same way in investment real estate. In real estate, there are multiple ways to increase the equity in your properties. You know, one particular great strategy is by what's called, I call it forced equity. So if I take a property and I make improvements to it, so let's say I take a dilapidated property, I put a construction crew on it with a $20,000 budget, and at the end, the property is now worth $40,000 more. I just forced the value up by $20,000, which increased my wealth by $20,000, right? So another way is through the amortization of paying down loans. Amortization is simply the debt pay down schedule that you have with your bank. So if I borrow from the bank and then my tenant pays me rent and then I take that and I pay the loan down, a part of that payment goes towards the principal. 
Although, you know, this is a very slow process because a very small part of the payment initially goes towards the principal. Every time that loan drops, my equity or my net worth increases. So in the when you're renting out the property, you get the income, the income income coming in, paying down that debt helps to build wealth for you, even though it doesn't show up in positive cash flow. So I look at the pay down of the debt from the tenants. That is for me, I look at that as, as essentially like income because that's building my net worth. Now leverage, the L, leverage. Ah my favorite part about real estate. This is the one asset class that will the bank will lend you money to buy. So try going to your banker and say, hey, I want to borrow money to buy stocks or crypto or gold or silver. Um, they'll look at you like you're crazy and you actually would be crazy. With real estate, I can borrow money and buy more of it then I have to do, you know, then I have the cash to do on my own. This creates a fantastic opportunity to drastically increase the returns on my actual cash invested and gives me the opportunity to own more units, which can go up in value. And that which leads me to the next part of the ideal formula, appreciation. Appreciation is an additional way to create, you know, equity. So when the property goes up in value as the overall market goes up, our net worth goes up right along with it. This is generally the speculative part of real estate investing, which I never bank on, nor can I predict, but I absolutely know it's going to happen if I get myself in the game with enough properties. So if my property is doing the IDEL part and the A doesn't happen, do you get it? IDEL, I-D-E-L. So the A was just left off. Am I all that upset? No. I'm actually totally happy, content, peaceful, and loving life because I got the income. I shielded it with depreciation. I built equity often through forced measures, and I leveraged the asset. As long as on a monthly basis, I'm not losing money in the hopes of speculative appreciation, I could, I could hold on to that property for years if needed. I'm going to give you guys an example. I bought a property back in September of 2015. So we're going on almost, it'll be almost six years now that I've owned it. And I purchased it for $60,000. Now I, I live in Michigan and this property is purchased in Arizona City. That's uh, quite a ways from home. I've never physically laid eyes on this property and I really don't care to go there to see this property at all. I've seen pictures, um, good with that. I bought it from a guy who was doing a podcast. I listened to this guy's podcast uh, multiple, multiple times. He seemed like he knew what he was doing. We had a phone call, a consultation, and he said, I got this. This is the deal I've got. I think this will be good for you. And I said, okay, let's go. Fire away, baby. So I bought it for $60,000. And then um, he told me it would take about $20,000 rehab, which is about what happened. My total cost uh, to purchase the property all in, right? With Purchase price plus repairs was $80,000 to get it tenant ready. Now, I wasn't getting it ready for a sale like MLS. I was getting it rent ready to rent out. To get it ready for a sale, I probably would have put it put $30,000 into it instead of twenty. Okay, so then I got it appraised so that I could do what's called a cash out refinance. Think of it as a cash out refinance. Everybody has trouble with this concept. It's just doing a mortgage in reverse. 
So normally when you guys go to buy a house, you go to the bank first, get pre-approved. And then, you know, when you go to buy the property and close on it, you know, you put your down payment, whatever that is, I don't know, 20% typically, right? To avoid PMI, but not everybody does that. Not, not everybody has to do that. But let's say you put your 20% down, right? And you on a $100,000 house, you put $20,000 down, you get an $80,000 mortgage from the bank. So they fund that to, right to the, uh, the seller right then. Okay, so they take your 20, take their 80, and then they pay off the seller, right? That's that's a nor how it normally gets. In this case, I purchased the property in cash, and then I went to the bank and said, I want to get a loan against this property. So it's just a reverse. It's just, you're just doing it in reverse, buying in cash, and then pulling your money back out with a loan. So it got appraised for $90,000, which I was kind of disappointed in at the time, believe me. I thought it was going to appraise, I, was, I thought it was going to force a lot more equity than $10,000. So I was disappointed. I even looked at selling the property at that time because I'm like, this sucks. I want to get out, get out and do something else. Plus it only rented out initially for 800 bucks. So that wasn't even 1%. Oh, that was 1% of my cost of 80,000, but it was it wasn't like that great because I was getting better rental numbers in, in other markets. But anyways, the uh, owner of the property management company just kind of convinced me to keep to hold it. He said the properties are going up in this area and that I would regret it later if I sold it not, which he was absolutely correct. So I rented it out and I've just held it. The loan payment, you know, maintenance Altogether is about 500 a month. So I've cash flowed about 300 to $400 per month. Rent's gone up to 900, 950 now, uh, which is not crazy, but you know, total cash flow since purchase, probably around 18, 20,000 bucks. Now, I know the market's been strong. So I went back, uh, contacted my property manager, and this property has been rented out um, almost every single month in the last six years. Well, actually five since, you know, kind of it took a few months to get it renovated and, and then leased up. But um, it's been cash flow producing every month since then. And so I didn't really want to, you know, I wasn't really that excited about selling it. But he told me that my comps, my listing price would be 210000 and it would get overbid to probably two hundred and thirty. Hello. I had a property that I put 80,000 in. I've got a note against it for only 68,000, which is now down paid. The debt pay down is down to 62,000. Okay, so that's 6,000 that the debt's been amortized or paid down since I owned it the last five years, which isn't crazy, but that's nice. The rent being only, you know, 950, it's nowhere near what the, the rent is nowhere near what the value of the property is. So it doesn't make sense to hold this for me anymore. So I'm selling it. Okay. Uh, I got to, I'm going to take the money and I'm going to put it into other things where I can get a higher yield on the value of that money. So it's just too much capital sitting into that property, not making enough yield now. So I'm going to sell it and expected sales profit after closing costs and all, you know, seller fees, paying off the realtor, all of that is right around $135,000 give or take probably 10,000 bucks. With the rental cash flow plus the sales profit, it's a expected profit of around $150,000. You guys, so think about this. How much money, how much cash did I have into this property in the last five years? $12,000, $80,000 like total all-in cost and I got $68,000 back when I refinanced the property. I've had $12,000 in this property 
for the last five years that then turned into $150,000 profit. Now, will every property go like this? Hell no, it doesn't. Uh, I've had some, I've certainly had some proper, properties that I made mistakes on and, you know, purchased wrong or whatever and didn't, you know, lost. Not huge for most of them. I've had some dingers, but, but I've also had a lot of wins. I've had more wins than losses. And that's what you're, that's what you're trying to go for. You're trying to get, make more wins than you do losses. This is an example of the beauty you use of real estate. And this is why it's the ideal investment. Now, this property has been very passive. Like I almost just kind of forgot about it. You know, I see the money come in and out, you know, like it mostly comes in every month from the rents, but I didn't really put much, I haven't really given it much attention or thought. I just kind of like for, got it done, rented it out, kind of like totally forgot about it. It's been very, very passive. Now, not every property is because some, you know, there's tenants, toilets, and trash guys. That's the nature of real estate. So you got to put up with that on, you know, C, C plus, you know, even B properties. It's just part of the game. If anybody ever tells you that real rental real estate is passive, you know, they're selling you a house of cards. It's not, it is not passive. It's mostly passive, but it's not hundred percent passive by any stretch. If your eyes lit up when you like you heard this and you definitely need to go to my reel so you can kind of look at the numbers and you can, you know, like hold it, just pause it and just kind of look at how this all played out. So you really understand it. And if you'd like to get involved with the power of real estate investing, you know, you're in the right place. I created a turnkey real estate investing company that gives you access to quality single family owned properties in several. We're now in several markets across the Midwest. Book a call with Nicole, our head of investor relations. Just go to highreturnrealestate.com and you can book a call with Nicole and she can help you to figure out like how to do this successfully. Now, uh, I just got a secondary line. So if you'd like to text me ex- like questions that you have of how this works, I'd be more than happy to answer your questions. My text number is 269-247-2881. Again, that's 269-247-2881. Uh, that is a separate line from my personal cell. So if you think you got a hold of my personal line to text me any trolling-like messages, no, I, don't, I don't think I'll have any trolls, not for a while. I will have them. You can text that and, you, and I, I promise I will answer you directly. Nicole's really good. So I would most like you to, to like book a call with her if like you're really serious. But if you just kind of want to generally understand this better, hit me up with questions. So I have no problem doing that. Again, I just, I, I really want to issue the disclaimer that like there's no perfect investment no matter what you do. So this is not there is definitely challenges to real estate. You know, you got to know that going in. It's also, remember, it's it's kind of like in the stage three of your wealth building journey. So first stage is investing heavily into yourself through books and paid coaching and mass seminars, masterminds. And then step two is going to be really focusing in on increasing your income, building a business, you know, I'm an entrepreneur, so I heavily believe in building a, you know, building your own business that you can have 100% control over. That's how I built the majority of my wealth. And then stage three is you take the excess cash uh, cash flow from stage two and stage one, and you put that into cash flow producing assets like real estate. So this is stage three. Some of you may be still on stage one, and this doesn't really apply to you where you're at, or maybe you're in stage two and you still just need to focus on investing into your own business, which is great. But guys, if you really want to build, you know, million dollar, multi-million dollar wealth safely, 
and uh, more predictably, then you've got to add real estate exposure to your portfolio. So you do need to understand how this works. Do this one again if like you're not for sure of some of the kind of the concepts or things that I talked about. Just listen to it again and then text me questions and let's get this down so that you guys feel confident or more like maybe not confident, but more understanding of what it is that you're going to be doing and how your strategy is going to kind of unfold. Okay. So, all right, here we go. Let's grow some wealth. Have a great day, you guys. That's a wrap for this episode on the Indestructible Wealth Podcast. If you'd like to dive deeper into your own wealth building strategy, check us out at myindestructiblewealth.com and follow along on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and yes, even TikTok. Send me your questions and your financial challenges, and I promise I'll respond. Also, I'll think you're really awesome if you'll share and leave me a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Until next time, remember our mission here is to help you make, keep, and grow wealth you can enjoy now and for years to come.